My name is Caleb, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, I have a sobriety date of February 3rd, 2016, and for that, God gets all the credit. I can't take credit for something I was never able to do myself, and um, congratulations to the guys that took birthdays. That's awesome. Uh, and thank you, Tristan, for coming out. You know, I wasn't born with alcoholism, but I was definitely born with a spiritual malady. You know, like... Uh, I just uh, never could get enough love and affection from people. And then on the flip side of that, I don't actually like people. So, um, you know, it's like this like weird paradox where I, uh, I want love and affection, but I don't want to put any forth any effort. And uh, when you actually give it to me, it's never enough, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up with two very loving and caring parents. You know, like very, very loving and caring. And they provided everything I could have ever wanted and needed, and yet it wasn't enough, you know. Like, I remember I didn't even know the difference between public school and private school because all I ever went to was private school, but I didn't like private school because public school must be better, you know. And uh, I, I, you know, and it's like a lot of it was because I was a kid, but I just failed to see that, like, my parents worked very hard to give me, like, a private school education, you know, and it just still wasn't enough. And, um, and then on top of it, like, uh, I've never in my life been a good student. I'm not Tristan. I don't graduate school with honors. Um, I'm the kid that, like, in class has to get, like, uh, my desk has to be removed from everyone else's. And I have to be, like, faced the corner because, like, I can't stop distracting people and just being um, a shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I don't play well with others. I don't know what sharing is. I don't know what it's like to uh, meet in a common ground on what we're going to play. It's, it's my way. And then, uh, and then I'm, like, baffled that nobody wants to be friends with me. You know, like, uh, I remember in fifth grade, <laughs> I threw a birthday party, and I invited everybody in my class. And so, like, I'm going to a private school, right? Uh, my class had, like, 32 kids. I'd known them all my life. Threw a birthday party at the skating rink. Nobody showed up, right? And, like, my first thought as, like, a, a selfish kid is just, like, you know, like, the world's wronged me. I remember thinking that, you know? Like, the world's wronged me. Like, nobody likes me. And I, I just didn't realize that, like... Nobody did like me because I was an asshole, you know? And um, I don't know, this carried on for a long time. And uh, I remember I got kicked out of private school. I, uh, it was my freshman year, and um, I got kicked out of private school because I never went to class. I just didn't see the necessity of school, you know what I mean? Like, from like the very beginning, I just would sit in class, and I was like, yeah, this is a no for me, dog. Like, uh, I just, uh, this is retarded, and I don't understand what any of this has to do with anything. And um, I would just skip class and, like, go play basketball, and uh, they finally got tired of it, you know? Because there was, like, kids there that were, like, I don't know, geniuses or some shit, and um, I got kicked out. And I had to go to public school, and uh, I'm going to be honest, you know, like, uh, I did drugs and alcohol because it was what other people were doing, you know? And like, and like it says in the doctor's opinion, you know, like, uh, one of the very first things I ever related to was, like, uh, men and women drink essentially for the effect produced. That was it. I remember I drank for the first time, and I did drugs for the first time, and like Bill W. described, I had arrived. You know, and I don't really know what it was. I don't necessarily know if it was that I thought that I fit in. It was more that I just didn't give a shit. And uh, the feeling that I got, like that sense of ease and comfort that I got from like my first drink, um, I remember vividly doing it and realizing that uh, nothing else in my life mattered. You know, not that school mattered to begin with, but uh, nothing else mattered, you know. And uh, 
I'm not one of those people that like, uh, I didn't start out like a casual drinker. I don't know why, but like I went from uh, a dork to like a full-blown like chronic alcoholic, like real fast. You know, like I remember I caught my first felony at 16 years old and I was expelled from the school district and that was it for school, you know? And um, I don't know, like uh, drugs are a part of my story and like I'm really grateful that there was people in Alcoholics Anonymous that allowed me to find my solution here, you know? Because I had tried other programs and they just didn't work for me. And um, I don't know, man, like uh, I found hard drugs and I found alcohol and I, I just continued down that road. And I'm one of those people that consequences is never a problem. You know, like I am okay with the consequences of like my drinking and using. And my consequences are like, um, I rob those that are closest to me and that care about me the most. Those are the people that I go after first. Like my mom and my dad and my siblings, like those are the people that I go after first. And then um, once that's burnt and those people kick me out, then I'm just like robbing whoever I can. You know, and like that's, and the worst part is, is that like, uh, I love committing crimes and I'm the worst criminal you ever met. <laughs> I get arrested no matter what. I've gotten arrested when I wasn't even doing like anything wrong. I, sh I shit you not, like I was returning something. Well, I was something wrong because I was returning something my mom had bought from Walmart and they arrested me because they thought that I uh, was stealing something, you know? That's just like how bad of a criminal I am. So you can imagine the predicament that I'm in when I'm getting loaded. like. Uh, the officers in my town, I'm from Seattle, by the way, I'm not from here. I'm one more transplant, and um, the officers in my town know me by first and last name, and they're constantly at my parents' doorsteps, and uh, I don't know, man, like, uh, the first five or six years, I just didn't give a shit, is really what it was. I didn't care about the consequences, and I liked getting loaded, you know, and then those last, like, five or six years, uh, the most miserable existence of my life. You know, and until I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I didn't understand what was really going on. Uh, I didn't understand that I was getting loaded against my will. And uh, I hear it all the time, you know, it's like, um, once I start, I can't stop, right? Like, uh, once I put something in my body, that physical allergy, like, kicks in and I cannot stop. I do not know how to stop unless I am, like, locked in an institution. But the worst part about it is, is like, why is it that when I do stop and I get out of this institution, I can't stay stopped? Because like that was my life for five or six years. Um, you know, like God bless my mom, like she made sure that I was always on her insurance and she had really good insurance. And so um, my mom did everything she could, you know, she sent me to rehabs all over this country, thinking that if I surely, if I could just get him out of this town, you know, if I could just get him out of Seattle. You know, that will be it. You know, he just needs to get a job. He just needs to get back into school. You know, and she's trying all these things. And, like, I, I, I'm buying into this because I don't know any other, I don't know any different. You know, like, uh, I don't understand that I'm suffering from something that only a spiritual experience can conquer. Like, I'm not suffering from something that, like, a job will fix. My mom can't fix it. The law can't fix it. Fear of incarceration. Uh, no amount of consequences will ever keep me sober. You know, and that, that's like, when I think about the grave nature of alcoholism and like what we're really up against, like it's scary, you know, and like for a long time I would identify as an alcoholic and I didn't know what I was really identifying as. I didn't understand what we were really talking about here. I am willingly admitting, and I heard this in the, I was at an H&I dinner, this like H&I, uh, I don't know, it was like a fundraising dinner. 
And the speaker was up there and he was like, you know, it's sad because a lot of people don't understand what they're identifying as. Like I'm raising my hand and I'm telling you that I'm suffering from like a life-threatening illness that will only get worse. That there is no human power on this planet that can save me. You know, and like I didn't realize that for a long time. And so like what my life looked like those last five, six years was like uh, rehab, relapse, repeat. That's what it was, you know, incarcerations in between those things. And like, you know, like I would, I remember this one time I went to Michigan. My mom sent me to this really, really, really nice treatment center. And uh, I was mad about it. You know, and my mom's paying like a substantial amount of money out of pocket on top of what insurance is paying for me to go to this like bougie treatment center out in Michigan. You know, just trying anything she can to help me. And I remember going and I wanted to get sober. And I get to rehab and like I'm there for like 30 something days and I get kicked out. Stone cold sober. And um, they dropped me off at a homeless shelter in Kalamazoo, Michigan. You know? And um, yeah. Cold as shit. Uh, I thought I knew cold, you know? And uh, but this is like the powerlessness that I'm talking about. So I get dropped off in a homeless shelter in Kalamazoo and I convince my mom to give me a Greyhound ticket because I can't fly. Because I have like I th- at that time, I had like six felony warrants out for my arrest. So I'm not, not going to fly on a plane, you know? So I, I take a Greyhound. I, I've, I've ridden Greyhounds across this country from east to west and from south to north multiple times. Uh, and uh, I convinced her to give me a Greyhound ticket home. And I remember uh, we had a layover in Chicago. And um, I had never seen an open-air drug market in my life. You know what I mean? And like this is like this is to show you like the powerlessness of alcoholism. I go from wanting to be sober and like I'm going to go back to Seattle. I'm going to do a little IOP program. I'm going to get a job and I'll be okay. And then I find an open air drug market and I literally left my bag on a corner. And there I am, homeless in Chicago for a year because I'm like Tristan, that's how I get loaded. I I don't I don't have a job. I don't have people in my life, I don't have a cell phone, like my only job is to get loaded, you know, like everything else. Like that book says, annihilation of all things worthwhile in life. And uh, there I am getting loaded in Chicago for a year. Leave my phone, lose it, my mom doesn't know where I'm at for a solid year. You know, there's like years where my mom didn't know if I was dead or alive. And uh, how is it that I go from wanting to be sober to that, like, like that, a snap of a finger. You know, that the thought crosses my mind and the consequences and that resolve that I had 20 minutes before that is out the door and there I am getting loaded. And, um, you know, like I, I, I was out there for like a year and uh, I called my mom like any good alcoholic does. I always call my mom and uh, I know that number by heart and uh, she gets me back into Seattle and um, <clears throat> she picks me up in downtown Seattle and I remember... Uh, she was telling me that I was either going to go to a detox or uh, she was going to leave me somewhere. And I, I, I remember vividly I was at an intersection and I grabbed my mom's purse from like her feet in the car and hopped out of the car in like an intersection, you know, and just ran off. Because like, I don't know about you guys, man, but like the way that I get loaded, it's not an option for me. Like once I'm loaded, like that next one is not an option. There is no like, there's never been a line of morality for me, like when, since I started getting loaded. There's never been a time in my life when I'm getting loaded that I'm like, I don't think I should do that. (laughs) It's too far. 
It's too much, you know? I've never, those are words that have never come out of my mouth. When it, like, when it comes down to it, like, I have to get more. And, um, I don't know, man, like, I, I go on like this for a long time. And uh, I'm that guy that goes to the same detoxes over and over again. And they know me by name, by the sound of my voice when I call. You know, because, like, at this point, like, uh, my sponsor says, I wanted to get here long before I ever got here. I wanted to be sober so bad with every fiber of my being. I wanted, I would look at people when I'm like walking around homeless. I would look at people and I just, I, I wondered what it was like to be like you. Like what was it like to like wake up in the morning and just like live a normal life? Because like the way that I got loaded, man, that existence was miserable. And I wanted to get sober. I really did, you know. And I would go to rehabs and I would take some CBT classes and some DBT and, you know, a little therapy action and some massages and I'd be kicking back in a nice pool down in Dana Point and, uh, you know, like, uh, it's not enough. It's not enough. And they, these people would be like, Caleb, you got to get a job. You got to get a life worth living. I don't understand what that means. Like, what do you, like, I just didn't understand what any of this meant. And then on top of it, I'd go to meetings. And I would hear people say, Caleb, just don't get loaded no matter what. I remember the first meeting I sat in and somebody told me that. I looked around and I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> this is the best solution you have for me. Like, I've never thought about just not getting loaded. Like, this, like, this is what you're offering. You know what I mean? And I remember hearing that. I'm like, that's, that's not going to work, man. I don't know how many times I've done that. You know, and like... And like that, there's that part in Bill's story where he says, uh, I saw I could not take so much as one drink, and I was through forever. And my wife happily observed that I meant business, and so I did. And then the next paragraph, it just says, shortly afterwards, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where was my high resolve? And then the last part of that is like what I relate to the most, where it says, was I crazy? I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. That's the insanity of alcoholism. That I cannot remember the pain and suffering of a week, a month, a day ago. And if I do remember it, it is supplanted with that old threadbare idea that I will be able to handle myself like other people. And like, dude, I went in and out for so long doing that. And uh, I don't know, man, like uh, I came out here one more time for treatment. My mom sent me out to like West Hollywood. And uh, I was there for like 30 days, and uh, this is really all, it's like a real bougie place, you know, like I got my own apartment, and um, I do this thing, right, where like I can be homeless, and uh, like sleeping behind a dumpster for like a solid year plus, you know, and then I get into these rehabs, and like your twin size bed will not do, and uh, <laughs> the, the food that you're offering... <laughs> The food that you're offering is subpar at best. You know what I mean? And uh, the gym membership that you're giving me, like 24-hour fitness. Who goes to 24-hour fitness, you know? And, uh, but that's, you know what I mean? Like, I have like a disease of perception, man. Like, I cannot, I, 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 I cannot see reality for what it is, you know? And like, uh, I come into these places and that's what I do, you know? And um, I'm that guy that like... Uh, I'm going to assume that most of the younger generation and probably half of the older generation has been to rehab a couple of times. So they always do these coin outs where everybody goes around and it's mostly people that don't know who you are. 
and they're going to say a couple nice words about you before you leave. And um, I'm always the guy everyone's like, yeah, you're going to do great. You know, like you're you're a good guy and like all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, dude, totally. I'm like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fucking kill it. You know, and and and, uh, and I leave and I get loaded. I, I couldn't make it 24 hours outside of a rehab with getting loaded for like a solid three years. I shit you not. I couldn't make it 24 hours outside. I remember like uh, I had committed enough crime that I finally caught a prison term. You know, and uh, I'm not like a, a badass or anything. You know what I mean? I remember when I caught that prison term, I was like, oh god. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, when I'm out there, dude, like, I think I'm about that life, you know? And then I, like, wind up in reception, and that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, I'm not about this life. Uh, where's my mom? You know what I mean? And, uh, I know. And, uh, I remember sitting in reception, waiting to get classed out, and, uh, I'm crying. You know what I mean? I'm scared of shit. And uh, I'm crying, not like uh, like little tears, you know, like that pathetic sobbing where like snot's coming out of your nose. And uh, I was done. I couldn't go on the way that I was going on anymore. And uh, I just I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like uh, for once in my life, I thought the consequences had become too grave. You know. And then I and then I make it to prison, and I find out they have drugs. And that resolve I had 36 days ago, out the window. And there I am in prison, racking up a drug debt. You know, and I'm getting released loaded. I'm getting off parole loaded. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's this like cycle, man. And it's this fact that I cannot stop on my own willpower. And if I can, for some reason, stop, I cannot stay stopped. And so I'm in this rehab, you know what I mean, in West Hollywood, and I, I graduate, and everybody says all this nice shit about me, and I, I leave, and um, I go to an IOP, and I'm in a sober living, and I get loaded one more time, and, and uh, I'm just out in, uh, in L.A. I wind up down on, like, 4th and San Julian in Skid Row, sleeping at, like, the midnight mission sometimes, or sleeping outside, and I'm out there for, like, a solid two years getting loaded. Mom doesn't know where I'm at. Nobody knows where I'm at. I'm panhandling, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like Tristan, like, I will sacrifice my sexuality, I will sacrifice my morals, I will sacrifice anything for one more, because I don't give a fuck. I have to get loaded. It's not an option for me anymore. And uh, I'm out there for like two years, you know? And like, for some reason I like, my, I, I like to migrate, you know what I mean? Like, I just like, wind up in these places I have no business being in, like Chicago, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Chicago, but I don't fit in by any means, you know what I mean? And uh, I don't fit in down in like uh, Skid Row and I wind up down in uh, Long Beach. I'm sleeping outside the Civic Center. They used to let the homeless people sleep out there. It's like right next to uh, the aquarium out there. And uh, I don't know, man, like I woke up and uh, it wasn't worse than any other day that I was getting loaded. I know how to be homeless real well, you know? And I remember I woke up and um, I don't know, man, like something came over me, you know, and I called somebody that I had heard that was sober that was out here, you know, and um, I don't know how, but he had got me into uh, Redgate Detox out in Long Beach, and I don't know if anyone knows about Redgate, but it's not like, uh, I'm used to like Passages Malibu, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to like some fucking massages, a little acupuncture action, and uh, a hot tub, and, uh, and then I wind up in Redgate which is like an indigent detox, you know, it's like a county-ran facility. 
and uh, whew, I was not happy about that, you know. And like, but like, I had been homeless for two years. I shit you not. Like, I walked in there with no shirt, no shoes, no underwear, a pair of shorts, and a cardboard sign that said "money?" Question <laughs> mark. This is what I walked into detox with. But I walk in there and I'm just like, I walk in there. Because I'm like walking into places like passages and I'm like, oh, you don't have all the movie channels? You know? And then I walk into Redgate off the street with like no underwear. And I'm just like, oh, this place? How, how, how do you expect me to mingle with these people? You know what I mean? Like, this is insanity. And, uh... So I, I go through and uh, they give me like hand-me-down chonies and a pair of like dicky shorts. I look like I'm straight out of Orange County. <laughs> All of 102 pounds, just straight out of Orange County, born and bred. And because uh, I got like the, the knee-high socks, you know, not a good look for me. And uh, I remember I'm sitting in there and uh, I'd slept it off because I'd been up for the better part of a week, you know, and... Um, they came and knocked on my door. And in every other treatment center, you know, like AA is optional. You know what I mean? We got like smart recovery, maybe a little therapy, but like you don't need to go to AA. So they came and knocked on my door and they're like, yeah, it's panel time. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be a no. And uh, it's the same guy that did my intake, you know, so he knows I came in there with nothing. He like looks around the room and he's like, all right, that's fine. If you don't want to go to the panel, you can grab whatever it is that you have. And like looks around this empty ass room. He's like, and you can leave. I was like, all right, AA sounds great. Let's do that, you know? And uh, I don't know, man. Like, I went to this panel, and um, for the first time in my life, I heard a message of death and weight. I don't even know what these guys did. I don't know if they drank. I don't know if they smoked crack. I don't know if they shot dope. I don't know if they went to prison. I don't know any of that. And it didn't fucking matter. I heard someone talking about wanting to be sober and going to treatment with that high resolve and getting loaded and not being able to tell somebody how they even got loaded. And when I heard that, I remember like my heart fucking split in two. Because I would literally sit in these places and my heart was just like fucking, I was dying. I could not understand why I could not stay sober. I don't know if anyone's ever done that, man. Like, wanting to be sober with every fiber of your being and not being able to do it is the worst place to live. I could not draw a sober breath, man. And uh, I heard these people talking about that. And that was that message of depth and weight that, like, held me. And, um, you know, the guy that got me in there ended up sponsoring me, and he, uh, he let me sleep on his couch because uh, I didn't have anywhere to go. Like, uh, I was 26 and my insurance was cut. My mom's not going to pay for Cobra insurance. You know, that's crazy. And um, so I'm sleeping on this guy's couch, you know. And like when I got sober, I was 26. I'd never had a job my entire life. I shit you not. Not a single job. 26 years old. No job. No high school education. I had nothing. Nothing. I didn't know what it was like to like build this bright future up around me and tear it down. I had never like had one since the day I got loaded. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love it. Love it more than anything. Because I grew up in these rooms, you know? Like, uh, I didn't know how to do anything in life. 
I didn't know how to get a job. I didn't know how to pay bills. I didn't know how to really do laundry. Like, I didn't know how to fucking clean up after myself. Like, I was like a, I don't know, I was like an animal or something. And, um, you know, like, uh, when I got sober, it was hard. You know, like, I, I heard a guy take, like, three years the other week at this meeting I go to, and he's like, you know, getting sober is not pretty. You can make it look good on Instagram, but it's not pretty, you know? And, like, when I got sober, it wasn't pretty. And, um, you know, like, uh, this first sponsor that I had, you know, like, um, he didn't really take me through the book, you know? And I love this man to this day. He's, like, one of my truly good friends, you know? And he didn't take me through the book, you know? And I, I knew there was something missing. And uh, I'd heard this guy come to the... Uh, I go to the Newport Club a lot, and I'd heard this guy come to the Newport Club. And... Uh, he was talking about that book. Nobody had ever told me that there was a textbook for Alcoholics Anonymous. You know? Like there, nobody told me that there was clear-cut, precise direction on how to stay sober in there. I heard a lot of opinions in Alcoholics Anonymous for a long time, man. And uh, I wanted what that man had. You know? And uh, that guy took me through the book, you know? And, um, fuck, dude. I never thought I'd be that guy standing up here who's just like that book thumper, like, that, I feel like that's what people think of me as. It's like, God, it's killing That fucking book thumper, you know? And, uh, but that book, man, saved my life. You know, it told me things that I... It, it, it told me stuff that I had never known about Alcoholics Anonymous. Ever. It told me things like a soul dependence upon God. You know, because I, I thought this was like a, a program of like me finding this really good sponsor who's going to coach me through life. And he's going to, like, tell me what I should and shouldn't do and all these great things and, like, life's going to be good, you know? And that is not what Alcoholics Anonymous is about. At least not from the book that I read, you know? And, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but that book that I read is, like, talking about me finding this power that I can do business with. You know, and it's talking about helping others right from the beginning. You know, like... Uh, Bill W., like, God bless that man, you know? Like, he's in there, it's talking about, like, this guy, he goes in the detox, and he, like, learns these basic ideas from his friend, Ebby Thatcher. And this guy is in detox, thinking about, man, there must be some people out there that want to know what I know, you know? Ideas which he put into practical application at once. That doesn't tell me that, like, I need to work all 12 steps and then help somebody. You know, it doesn't tell me, oh, I... I, I got to get sober and I got to get all these things back and then I might help somebody, you know? Like, it, it tells me before I even get into the steps and into the chapters that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, is vital to permanent recovery. You know? And, and, and this, like, group of guys that I, like, got in touch with, like, to be honest with you, I, I thought they were corny as hell. They would all say the same shit that I fucking say now. And, uh... You know, my sponsor's always being like, you know, we get well by helping others. We don't get well to help others. And I didn't understand what that meant. And I don't like it. I don't like people, to be honest. And uh, I'm like that alcoholic that, like, I'm selfish and self-centered to my core. I go to bed thinking about me. I wake up thinking about me. While you're talking about your serious problems, I'm not listening. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when you're done talking. <laughs> That's how I am, man. Naturally, my natural state is that is my train of thought. I have to actively try to listen for me to actually listen to what you're saying. So the thought of helping others is like, 
that's a tall order, you know. And um, but like but like Tristan said, you know, I was beaten down badly enough that I was willing to do whatever it took. I could not go on the way that I was going on anymore, you know. And like I, I say what I say when I get up here that God gets all the credit because I cannot tell you why it is that I even got sober. When I first got here, it was nothing short of a miracle that I stayed sober long enough for me to find a connection with God. Nothing short of a miracle. Um, you know, and so like uh, I go through this book, you know, and um, I start helping people immediately. You know, because like, uh, I don't know about you, man, but like those first couple chapters, that's some scary shit. When I read There's a Solution and More About Alcoholism, at least the book I'm reading, that's scary. I have no choice but to pick up again. That, that page 24 where it's talking about, like, I cannot with sufficient force remember the pain and suffering of a week or even a month ago. It's telling me that it does not matter what I've gone through. It doesn't matter what consequences are hanging over my head. It doesn't matter if I have a kid on the line. My mom's life's on the line. I'm getting loaded. I don't give a shit. Or I can't even remember it. Or the worst, the one that I think is the worst, or it says, or how many of us have gotten loaded in that nonchalant way and pounded on the bar and asked ourselves, how, for, how did I ever get started again? Because that's usually what happened to me, man. Is I'd get out of treatment, and I'd get loaded, and I couldn't give you an answer of how I got loaded again. You know? And uh, so when I read those chapters, I was in, man. Like, that's what those chapters were meant to do, and they fucking did it. I knew that I was an alcoholic, and I knew that there was not a sponsor on this fucking planet. There wasn't a job on this planet. My mom, a girl, a place, a fear of consequences was never going to keep me sober. One day, they will give way. You know, that mental blank spot that that book talks about, you know? And so I, I you know, I got into some action, you know, and I, I, wrote, a, I wrote down a four step, and, and I don't know, man, for me, at least it wasn't that hard. It wasn't like a revolutionary thing to me or anyone else around me that Caleb was a sack of shit. <laughs> nobody was surprised. <laughs> Nonetheless, myself. Like, nobody was like, oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was a known fact. You know what I mean? That Caleb, scumbag. And, uh, you know what I mean? And then I, but I read that part in the book, you know, that said that that third step meant absolutely nothing. Unless followed up with a fourth. That third step means nothing. Launched on a vigorous course of action. You know? And, I, I, and you know, I, I had a sponsor that like told me to look up these words and what they actually meant. And to me it sounded stupid. And I just didn't have the pride to tell people that I was like kind of illiterate when I got here. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like a real great reader. And uh, so these words stuck out to me in the way that this book was written. You know, It was written like it was for a reason. And so I did, you know, four and five, and, and six and seven were easy, because I followed the directions in the book. You know, I sat down and I looked, and I looked over the first five proposals, and I asked myself, like, did I do them honestly? Did I omit anything? And uh, I sat with myself for an hour, you know, and I said the seventh step prayer, and I met back up, and we went over eight and nine, you know? And uh, I made, I don't know about, I, at least for me, man, like, I was told that if I didn't make those amends, I would get loaded. And more importantly, I was told those 10-step promises. Fuck the, ten, fuck the nine step promises. When I got here, I wanted that immunity from drinking. Those 10-step promises is what I wanted when I got here. 
You know, like that problem being removed, that being a recovered alcoholic, that message of hope that that book carries. I didn't want to be in recovery with fucking 10 years. You know, I didn't want to like have to hide out somewhere in hopes that I wouldn't get loaded. You know, and, and like, and that book tells me that like I have to just do a certain simple things, you know. And so I had to go back, you know, and I had to make amends to these people I had done wrong to, and it wasn't easy, you know. <laughs> like, uh, I'll give you one story, and uh, my dad made amends to my dad, and uh, he's a peculiar man, you know. And uh, I go and I make amends to my mom. It was, it was pretty easy. My, it was like sad, but it was pretty easy. My mom loves me to death, you know. My dad does too, but he's he's a little bit of a hard ass. And uh, I'm sitting there giving him my AA spiel. And uh, he's like, I was like, is there anything I can do to make this right? He's like, yeah, there is. Turns around. In his desk, this guy had already written. He didn't have to calculate it out. He had already written down how much money I owed him. (laughs) Didn't even need to calculate it out. He already knew. He was like, yeah, you can pay me the money that you owe me. I was like, oh my God, what is going on, you know? And uh, so I pay that man, you know? And like the, the relationship with my dad is not like mended. I don't really talk to my dad that much, you know? And I don't really blame the man, you know? And um, I don't know, man. Getting sober wasn't easy. It wasn't, you know? And I made a lot of mistakes. And um, unfortunately, I, I missed some really key parts in that book, you know? And the, and the one that I want to emphasize before I end here is that uh, part where it says, uh, I, I'm supposed to, <laughs> the better demonstrations of these principles is in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. What a thought that I can't just do AA in an AA meeting. That's crazy, you know? And so, like, for like my first year or two, man, like, I was a scumbag in AA, you know? Plain and simple. And I almost got loaded over it. You know, and it tells me in there, in that sex inventory, if my, if my conduct, and it's not just talking about sex, it's talking about anything, if my conduct continues to harm others, and I am not sorry, I am sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our own experience. And I remember sitting outside of a liquor store at 2 a.m. with almost two years of sobriety, crying, wanting to get loaded. Because I had cut myself off from the only thing that was ever going to keep me sober, which is God. That's why I get loaded. I cut myself off from the only thing that gives me hope. And you know, thank God for a sponsor that didn't tell me to like depend upon him. He was like, uh, don't expect me to keep you sober. I don't even keep myself sober. And I knew what to do, you know. Like I sat in that car and I prayed like I've never prayed before. And I went down to Charlie Street the next day and I sat there and I just tried to talk to another alcoholic, you know. And um, I really like what Bill W. says, you know. He says, thus common sense became uncommon sense. You know, when I got here, it wasn't common sense for me to help anybody, you know. If you would have told me like three years ago, this is what I'd be doing and I truly love it, I don't even know if I'd believe you, you know, because like uh, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. I was talking to a friend today and we were talking about he was driving through the Tenderloin District and watching these people, you know, and like the thought of that, you know, like how many people are out there dropping into oblivion that would probably like to have what we have. And who am I to keep it to myself? You know, who am I to go into this world without that constant thought of others? You know, because I was that guy out there dying, not knowing that there was a way of life, you know? And uh, I don't know. Like someone that I know always says, I'm smitten with AA. <laughs> you know? 
I never thought I'd be that fucking guy standing here telling you I'm smitten with AA, you know, but like it truly is the bright spot of my life is to like reach out my hand to a newcomer and maybe share a message that can help somebody, you know. So I really appreciate you guys having me out here. Thank you very much. Wow.